1969, the NBA Draft. Two teams that have just made it to the league in 1968 in the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks were up for the first overall pick. And instead of a lottery system, there was a coin toss. And guess who won the coin toss? The Milwaukee Bucks. And guess who they got? Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And who did the Phoenix Suns get? Neil Walk, who was not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And 52 years later, they face off in the NBA Finals. Hello everyone and welcome to the Conventional Nine Podcast. This is Home and Away and we are here to talk about the NBA Finals. And somehow, some way, these two teams have made it to the NBA Finals through injuries, through COVID problems, through all of it. These teams have made it through. And that says a lot. Okay, let's start off with the conference finals and how these teams got here. So, like uh, about an hour ago, we saw... The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Atlanta Hawks, convincingly for the most part. I think in the fourth quarter we saw that resurgence that this Hawks side is clearly capable of because of the shooting prowess that they possess. But ultimately it was Milwaukee through and through. Chris Middleton went off in that in that third quarter and... I think it says a lot about this Bucks team that they were able to pull off two incredible wins, two comprehensive wins without their star man in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, for the Atlanta Hawks, I think you can say that yes, they did not have Trey Young and that is such a big miss for them. However, playing him today was interesting because... Yes, he was going to play as a decoy. He wasn't going to be the guy who we know he can be. His shots weren't hitting. His drives felt weaker. And they didn't feel as controlled because, okay, it, it's it's a mean comparison considering that one of these guys is now in the NBA Finals. But when you watch campaign and when he drives in, you hope the shot goes in. There really isn't much finesse to it and there really isn't much of composure in his drives and that's kind of what Trey Young felt like today it didn't feel like it didn't feel like Trey Young and perhaps he needed you know a couple of days more to you know be at least at 60 70 percent but he just wasn't there today on the other hand you had Milwaukee trying to get placed around him you'd see Middleton switch on to him and just not care, take those threes, and Trey Young couldn't do anything. Because I think the entire playoffs, the entire plan around Trey Young is to kind of hide him, you know, because he's not the best defender. And offensively, he is such a crucial cock to this Atlanta side that when in this game he was hobbled, I think it was more glaring that, okay, that's the man you pick out. And Milwaukee didn't do it quite as much as maybe they should have. But I don't think they needed to. I think they were so great in what they were doing and, and in executing their own game plan. 
which uh, I, I, didn't think, I didn't think it was needed. They put P.J. Tucker on Trey Young for a while, and it really didn't give much space for Trey to do much. And I think the evolution for so many teams in this playoffs has been incredible. Because if you talk about the Atlanta Hawks, nobody expected them to get here. People said the New York Knicks would knock them out in the first round. And perhaps that was a bit misguided because, well, we all know that the Atlanta Hawks are objectively a better team. It's not just about quality. It's the fact that they have such a smart coach in Nate McMillan who is able to you know, guide this team through murky waters, to, through when... You know, things get tough. Even when you go back to the Philly series, it wasn't always rosy. And to keep their composure and keep doing what they do best, even if certain players have off nights. I mean, Bogdanovich wasn't firing on all cylinders in this series at all. And getting through, using different pieces, like Gallinari had good games. Trey Young in the previous series had great games. Uh, Kevin Herter in that game seven against Philly. Cam Reddish today, who, I mean, here's the thing. This team has shown why there is such potential and such hope for the lower seats, for these teams that are building for the future, that there is a recipe to execute in the now as well. And... I think they learned. I think they showed how adaptable they are. Because when Brooke Lopez was dropping back and was chasing after Trey Young, and I think that's what Trey Young wanted, he was able to find Capella because that's what they kind of need to do. Or even if it was John Collins, they were able to go around the problems that they faced in the earlier games. But unfortunately, when you have Chris Middleton playing like one of the best players in the world, I mean, you can't stop him. You just can't. And yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks are now through. And yes, there's a situation with Giannis, if he's going to be fit or not, because yes, his injury was gruesome, because it's unbelievable that his knee's fine. But you know, thankfully it is. And... Yeah, now we'll see when he returns. But for now, this team has so much credit to give to itself for what they've achieved. Is Am I still going to take shots at Budenhoser? Yeah, kind of, because none of these games were really close. When the Milwaukee Bucks were taking over, there really wasn't anyone who could stop them. When Chris Middleton was playing the way he did, when Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis were doing what they were doing, it felt like they were taking advantage of the fact that this Atlanta side is young and defensively, there are clear frailties in this team. And I understand the fact that, I mean, Jan is going to be back and Drew Holiday is, you know, clicking. PJ Tucker, such an important piece in that team. Yes, that they are playing incredibly well. And yes, Coach Budenhoser does deserve credit for that. But we really haven't seen them being challenged much. Yes, in the Nets series, we did see them being challenged. But 
did they make the right plays? No. If you remember that Brook Lopez play, it wasn't the it wasn't the best of plays. I I don't think that under pressure they're the best team, and I think fatigue was a major factor in that series because it was Kevin Durant and a clearly hobbled James Harden. I don't know. I still don't think we have seen this Milwaukee side challenged when the pressure is really on them. We'll see. We'll see how that turns out when the pressure's on them. But so far, when you have Chris Middleton playing like that, when you have Brooke Lopez doing what he does, when you have Drew Holiday, such an important cog in that defense, how do you stop them? Uh, and yeah, great job by the Milwaukee Bucks. They deserve all the praise and they're here. Now, we move on to the other series because that's where the team I'm kind of rooting for comes in. The Phoenix Suns versus the LA Clippers. I'll start off talking about the Clippers first. Yes, they didn't have Kawhi. They did not have Kawhi and that's that's a big factor for them. You know what? Let's talk about Kawhi for a second because Giannis was injured and we still don't know how long Giannis will be out for. Maybe he's back for next game, you know, because his status has always been doubtful, and then it's confirmed that he's out for the game. But he's always on that bench, and he's rooting for the team, and he's you know willing them on. Kawhi does not feel like a part of the LA Clippers. I don't think he has ever felt like a part of. I don't think he felt like a part of Toronto either. Uh, I was having this conversation with a friend not too long ago. I think the last time we saw Kawhi really invested in the team, I think it was the Spurs. I think that's when he felt like he was a part of something. And since then, I mean, since that injury that he had in you know in that playoff game against the Warriors with when he stepped on Zaza Pachulia's leg, which is one of my worst memories as a fan, but. Since then, I don't think he's felt quite a part of the game. And now, the big issue is when he wasn't playing and when it was Paul George and these players like Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, they felt like a unit. And dare I say, I think they were more dangerous without Kawhi. I think cohesion is such an important factor that it can 100% cover for the fact that you don't have the biggest star in your team. And yes, you can say that if Kawhi was there, they would have beaten the Suns. I bet to differ. I think they were as strong as it gets in that series. And they were fun to watch. And this is maybe, I don't know if I'm, I don't know where this comes from, but I think Kawhi feels like a commodity. And I think that's because he sold himself as a commodity. Since his Spurs days, he's made himself feel like an asset rather than a player who wants to be a part of an organization, an idea, an identity. I don't think that's him at all. And I don't know what he wants. Maybe this is it for him. Maybe he's okay with earning the big bucks, playing the game he does, and not feeling like a part of a franchise. Maybe this is me talking crap from you know, my house rather than being in the know, but it really doesn't feel like he is as connected as 
one should be, especially when you're so close to a championship. But yeah, maybe that's just Kawhi, maybe that's just how he operates. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, so far, um, yeah, it doesn't feel, I, I don't know, does he resign with the Clippers? Maybe, maybe not. But this series for them, I think was incredible. I think they showed from from Ty Lue to Boogie Cousins. <laughs> we get to him. But I think the entire team showed why they're here and why they were able to brush past Dallas and Utah. Why they lost those first two games only to come back stronger. That's just how they operate. They take that time to understand their opposition, to understand what they need to do. And when the pressure's on them, nobody delivers as much as they did. And it was incredible to watch. Now for the first game, I think it was quite comprehensive. I I don't think... Devin Booker had a great game, and that was it. The next game, it was much closer. You, You could see that slowly but surely... Clippers are starting to figure out this team, this Phoenix team. And it was really close. They were leading for a while until, obviously, the value, which was incredible. What a moment. Uh, again, you can go into the debate of how long the instant replays take in the NBA and how it's really slowing the game down. Yeah, it's, it, it, they need to find a solution for that. And I think there are some viable solutions. I don't think you need to stop the game for that long. I can, I think you can have a continuation as the checks go on. Or have, you know, like an assistant referee on the sidelines making those decisions for you. But yeah, it, it's it's certainly a thing that needs to be looked into. Uh, not sure if it will be, but yeah, for now, that's what it is. For, yeah, the value, what a, what a moment... Uh, that was 2-0. And then the next game. Here's the thing. The two wins that the Clippers had, they felt demoralizing. They felt like they had the Suns completely figured out and it'll be a miracle for the Suns team to get through. Even when they were leading. And I think that's testament to this team. 100%. Now, that game that they won against... uh, was it? Yeah, I think it was. In, it was in LA, that eighty-four eighty game, which was one of the, I think, the lowest scoring game in this season, and that was a defensive showing. I think that's the game where you could figure out that both these teams have figured each other out, and you just need to go on an offensive run somehow. And neither team were able to get that going in that game. And yes, Chris Paul wasn't fit. I mean, he's coming off the COVID uh, situation, but. Uh, yeah, he, he he did his thing, and then came Game 6. Now, before Game 6, I would like to point out that Reggie Jackson, I was not scared of anyone in any of the games as much as I was scared of Reggie Jackson because of how incredible he has been. The confidence that man has shown. As a guy rooting for the Phoenix Suns in this playoffs, it was... Scary to watch the way he was playing. I felt like he could take that team on his own. And wow, what a run for him. Going into game six. I think it was Jay Crowder who went on fire early. Showed why he is the man he is. Why he's one of the most underrated players of the last six to seven years. Being such a crucial cock to so many playoff teams. 
he he got going hitting those trees that's what you need him to do that's what i think that's going to be very important going into the finals we'll get there but for now the way they were playing was mesmerizing at times they they kept the intensity of which they had to do because in so many games they kind of fell into this law that la wanted they wanted this phoenix side to not get their rhythm going to fall into their pace and this was phoenix's game at one point the lead was cut down to seven and that's when it was chris paul going into overdrive and it just kind of showed that this that Chris Paul, even after being dropped what, twice or thrice by Paul George in this entire series, you know, embarrassed almost, he got up and hit that and one three. Just incredible stuff from Chris Paul. And he showed that, as he, said, as he says, it's written on his shoe, can't give up now. He really can't. He really can't give up now. You look at the other players in, you know, who haven't won a championship. I don't think there's anyone left who's won a championship. But regardless, you have players like Giannis, who has so many years left to win a championship. Devin Booker, just 24. As much as you want players like Drew Holiday, PJ Tucker, Chris Middleton, Giannis to win a championship, this is Chris Paul. This is his moment. And he played like he understood what that meant. It's it's tough because for so many years you've seen Chris Paul as much as he improves teams, as much as he makes these units better in each team that he goes to from, from the Hornets to LA to the Rockets. To, to OKC, he's made all these organizations and all these teams better. He's taught so many players. But there is 100% a lack of malleability in the way he plays. He requires the team to play to his style. And this is the team for him. The way he's playing, he, he figured out quickly that this is it. Like This is the team. He has a shooter in... Devin Booker, he has someone like DeAndre Ayton who he can run pick and rolls through. Jay Crowder is such an important championship piece, you know. And this team showed why they are so, so immense. And Chris Paul, man, like what a game he had. And the outpouring of emotions afterwards. It just meant a lot, man. It just meant a lot to this team to reach it and... I mean, you can't, you know, talk about this team without mentioning Monty Williams, his connection with Chris Paul since the Hornets days. And now being here, doing what he's doing with Chris Paul again, you know, through the highs and the, and the lows, you can just see the connection that they share. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch for sure. Now, I think the one important word when it comes to this Phoenix side is never. Because you have Chris Paul, who has never made it to, you know, an, an NBA finals. And that kind of hindered his legacy. I mean, you have his personal accolades, you have you have so many factors, but never, and even an NBA finals appearance. Uh, forget about a ring, you know. 
Monty Williams, you know, he has never won a playoff series before this. And now he's moving on to the NBA Finals. You have James Jones, the GM, who has never run a front office before. And like, them performing to candidates for the best in the league. I mean, James Jones was the GM of the year, executive of the year. And coach Monty Williams should have won coach of the year, but it went to Tom Thibodeau, which is fine. But yeah, these players have shown why they are what they are. And this organization has risen up to the moment. It's amazing to watch. It's, as, a, as a fan of Chris Paul, this is heartwarming and a bit scary because now they're in the finals and now it's a seven-game series to determine his legacy. What does a loss in the series mean for Chris Paul? I can't even imagine. I can't imagine the heartbreak of this is it. Like You're never going to get a better chance than now. People can talk about, you know, oh, the ring doesn't count, Mickey Mouse ring. Who gives a shit? The Suns did what they had to do. They beat the team in front of them each and every single time. They dealt with adversity themselves, with Devin Booker having a broken nose, with Campaign having his uh, injury for a bit, DeAndre Ayton playing through, uh, Cam Johnson's now ill. Chris Paul, with his COVID issues, with his shoulder injury, this team has persevered and gotten here. And I think instead of taking away from this team, saying that they've been the healthiest and this ring doesn't count, honestly, respect greatness. Respect this team for what they've done. Because it's immense. And now we're here. The NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns. Not to toot my own horn. Not to do that. But in the beginning of the season, before the season even started, when Chris Paul had his move to the Phoenix Suns, I made a take, I had a take, which was the Phoenix Suns have a better chance of winning an NBA championship than the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, both the teams are in the finals, and there is no, it's not possible to get a more literal answer than we will in the next week or so. Going into this game, who has the advantage? Many people will say the Phoenix Suns because they're fitter. And I get it. But with Giannis, even at 70-80%, it's Milwaukee with the advantage. I mean, you can't argue with that. Even without him, this, this team has shown that anytime there is a team building momentum, and I, the Milwaukee boxing can get going. And what that basically means is that's something that Phoenix have shown themselves. They sometimes play offensively regardless of the runs that their opponents are going on. And that's important because sometimes you feel a momentum shift and teams kind of play into that. And when you let go of that control, it, it gets so hard to get it back. And this Phoenix side, regardless of when their opponents are hitting their shots, they keep playing their game. Yes, there'll be fumbles, but I, I Devin Booker with his, his the most beautiful shot, that driving pull up that he does. It's beautiful to watch, and 
when he hits those, when Chris Paul drives in, hits his mid-range jumper, or he lays it into DeAndre Ayton for the dunk, man, like, this Phoenix side can do, does exactly what this Milwaukee side has shown that they can do in this Hawks series. They've shown that regardless of the runs that this Atlanta team can go on, when you have Cam Reddish, you know, Kevin Herter, who didn't have the best of games, but Bogdanovich hitting those shots, like, how do you stop them, you know? Ah oh, man, I think, I think, I think Giannis will have to guard Jay. I guess will Brooke Lopez be on DeAndre Ayton? How do you actually do that switch? Maybe I, I don't know if you. If, I don't know if you do. Mikhail will be guarded by Chris Middleton, which is fair. But the troublesome is the backcourt, which is. Of course, Devin Booker will be guarded by P.J. Tucker, I assume, and Chris Paul with Drew Holiday. That will be a tough matchup for them. And I don't know how that goes, but it would be fun to see how that goes. But for now, the Milwaukee Bucks need to do what they have done for so long. Their case for winning a championship is matchups-wise, if Giannis is fit, I don't think that they have an answer for Giannis. Do you put DeAndre Ayton on him? Maybe. Do you double him with Jay? Perhaps. And yeah, maybe maybe that's what you do. Because going back in the regular season when these teams faced off, there's one clear point. And that both these teams are so equally poised. Because both those games were won by the Phoenix Suns, but both games were won by a point. The first game was more damning of Coach Budenhoser and his setup in the final play. When Giannis had to catch the ball near the elbow or even near the three-point line. like you ha- You've given him a couple seconds to make that drive. Well, he's not that guy. <laughs> like you, you don't do that. And he had to pull up for a shot and that clearly wasn't going in. Then... The second game, there was a foul by P.J. Tucker in the final few seconds with 0.3 left on the clock, I think, with Devin Booker hitting one free throw and missing the other. But that was enough to get the win. And it's tough. This series is going to be a tough one for Phoenix because if Giannis is playing, how do you stop him and Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton has shown why... Again, people said he's not the caliber of a second star. Forget that. This guy is an outlier in this team. I, I am really going on on, on Coach Budenhoser, but I kind of want to. He kind of sets this team up to play against their own strengths, which is frustrating to watch. They, I mean, should Drew Holiday be pulling up so many threes? Maybe when he's hitting them, but against a good defensive side like Phoenix, would he? Should he? Probably not. Pat Connaughton has a, is, is a very streaky shooter. Chris Middleton feels like an outlier because he is versatile and he's actually making the smart plays. And when you have someone in your team who's willing to do them, while others are either predictable or unbelievably 
you know, so contrary to predictability that they're doing something that's totally against their own strengths. You need someone to do the same thing. You need someone to do, go out there and hit the important shots, the smart plays, rather than doing something quite asinine. So, for the Milwaukee Bucks, you have to rely on Chris Middleton, as they've done. Defensively, they have to help Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker contain the backcourt. And Brooke Lopez does a great job on containing DeAndre Ayton. And yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. For Phoenix, I think one of the most crucial roles in this team will be uh, with Mikael Bridges. Because offensively, yes, he had off nights in the playoffs. But they still trust him to take that important shot, and that's crucial to this team. He can make those shots. And defensively, he'll need to be on job. Because Chris Middleton is going to be hell to defend. But we've seen how good he can be. We've seen how good Mikael Bridges can be on defense. And he needs to put up a shift. If not, uh, you have Tory Craig off the bench, which uh, I think is really underrated. I think he's really good defensively, and he can get those shots going as well. How do you guard Giannis when he returns? As I said, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton double. Or, I mean, it'll be Jay Crowder guarding him, but DeAndre Ayton, you know, on the help. <sighs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's what you do. Maybe. But if Brooke Lopez is stretching the flow with his threes, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting matchup because Giannis is such a mercurial factor in this matchup. And with what Brooke Lopez can bring, that front court will have a tough time on the defense. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, defensively, I think Devin Booker will have an easier night, I think, comparatively to... The nights he's had against, uh, I mean, the likes of Paul George and, you know, Reggie Jackson. Or maybe Chris Middleton looks to switch on to him. We'll see. We'll see. I think Clippers with Ty Lue were a very smart team. And I think you need to be very smart. And I, I said in a previous podcast, the smartest team will win the playoffs. And if I'm being quite honest, I don't think the Milwaukee Bucksite is the smartest team out there. I think they have great players. And players like Chris Middleton have been having, you know, career games. And is it consistent enough to beat this Phoenix side is the question. My answer is no. I think this Phoenix side has more options. It's more consistent. It has players who can deliver consistently. And defensively, they are gritty. They have shown why they are here. And now it's time to execute in the final series. My prediction is Phoenix in six. And we'll see what happens. If this goes to seven, my word, it's going to be interesting. One more point. So many people have been pointing out that nobody wants to watch Phoenix versus Milwaukee in the finals. <laughs> like It's not going to draw in numbers. Like, who gives a shit? Why does any NBA fan watching, the, watching these games right now give a single iota of a shit about 
how many people are watching you as a fan how does it matter it, it really doesn't i think there are so many asinine conversations happening about the playoffs about how how it's gone i think it's all trivial I, I really don't think it matters because ultimately these two teams have worked their asses off and shown why they deserve the utmost respect what happens when Milwaukee wins well they kind of get rid of the stigma that they are this regular season team that you know is great there but defensively and structurally they've had these issues in the playoffs which they have I think it's it's a fact that when I think being such a stringent structure in uh, I mean the in the bubble last season it cost them heavily against the Miami Heat and this season the way they played now feels like that they have grown as a team they've grown as people they've been through adversity they've been through um, these embarrassing losses these embarrassing moments and that one clip of Giannis talking about his free throw issues that he has missed eight in a row he's missed two in OKC the only way is up i think that's a representation of the entire team they have been through embarrassing moments they have been through that bad phase in the bubble and now they're here in the finals the only way is up for them and with this win you get Giannis that title win that his mercurial talent deserves and so many players like PJ Tucker being rewarded for years of consistently being that player <laughs> moving from small forward to center a small ball center and stuff I think it deserves respect. I think everyone in this franchise deserves respect for what they've done. And if Coach Bud and this and this I can pull it off, wow, what a journey for them. I think showing that dynamism that they can show at times is going to be important. And Chris Middleton is going to be the guy. That's it. It's going to be Chris Middleton. Because Giannis, we know, as amazing as he is, he's not going to be quite fit enough and we know what he does but the question mark is going to be simply chris middleton for phoenix it's chris paul 16 years in the nba being one of the greatest point guards of all time this series determines everything i normally don't like to hype seri- you know these moments up as telling but boy this one is like Come on. If he doesn't do it, what does it say about? It? I can't even I can't even fathom. If he doesn't pull it off, it'll be the most disheartening thing because this is it. This is it. For Devin Booker, what a moment. For so many of these young players, it's going to be a defining moment, man. And it's it's for Chris Paul. They have to do it for Chris Paul. They have to do it for Monty Williams. maybe they will maybe this is it maybe this is the year you know we'll see we'll see what happens and it'll be fun to see uh, bring on the nba finals but man what a journey it's been so far it's been fun and can't wait for more thank you for tuning in uh, if you want to check us out on twitter you can at tc9podcast you can check our website out at theconventionalline.com for articles and more You can check out our YouTube channel at uh, The Conventional Nine and you can check out 
our podcast wherever you get your podcast spotify itunes google podcast wherever you get them thank you all for tuning in we'll be back soon to talk about the nba playoffs and the nba finals and how they go <laughs> let's see hopefully hopefully phoenix win and we'll be back here soon so, thank you all for tuning in bye